are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, uh, this is uh, just a great day for, for Annette and for me. Um, I've been talking recently about um, how important it is to... Um, invest in other believers. And you remember a few weeks ago, we spent a whole Sunday talking about that. Um, We talk about how much we value being together as Christians. And so one of the reasons I think I see such value in it is because of people who have invested in our lives. I think I've told you that I was from a small Kentucky town. Have I mentioned that? And when I went to Nashville, Tennessee to go to Trevecca Nazarene College, I thought I'd gone to the biggest city in the entire world. And I needed a little help. And I met some people who have helped me now for over 30 years. And it is Dr. Talmadge and Janelle Johnson. If if I tried to kind of list everything that uh, Dr. Johnson and Janelle have done over the years, that would be impossible. Um, He served at one time as the NYPS president. Does that bring back some memories for you? Uh, He has served as pastor, church planter, district superintendent, director of Sunday school, general superintendent, almost every role the church has, they have asked him at one point, would you serve in this role? And uh, here's the thing, in light of all of, all of that, and, and I don't take anything from any of those jobs that he has done, but beyond all of that, he has been like family to us. We, we have great family, but we have No family that's closer than these people in our lives. And it was really important to me uh, for you to know him, and I know many of you already do, and and to have him share God's Word with us this morning. And so I wanted so bad today to find a way just to honor Dr. Talmadge and Janelle Johnson for their love for Annette and me and their investment in our lives. And from the depths of our hearts, we say thank you for everything that you've ever done for us. We are very grateful. And I want you to welcome them this morning, will you? (laughs) Thank you, uh, Pastor. May I just make uh, an official declaration? You have probably the greatest pastor couple in the entire movement called Nazarene. I uh, had a a certain amount of authority as a general superintendent, and I could use those words, by the power vested in me as a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, I declare what I have just said to be absolutely true. Well, it's kind of interesting this morning. um, I was reflecting a little bit. Uh, The first time that I attended Bethany First Church was in another century. (laughs) And I know that doesn't come as a surprise to some of y'all. But uh, I was uh, 10 years of age 
And my dad had been pastor in Duncan, Oklahoma for two years, was elected to be district superintendent. Our family moved here uh, to 301 South College, now 37th and College, the location of Southern Plaza. That was the district parsonage. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that um, a 10-year-old boy, 30 or 40 years ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> would, uh, would be standing here with you today. When you talk about family, you know, most of you who know me, who know us, <clears throat> know that Janelle and I have uh, two sons, Michael and Jeffrey, both of whom uh, were born in Oklahoma. Michael was born in Duncan, and Jeffrey was born on Route 66 in Elk City. Coming here in 1965, our family extended to a certain extent in that uh, the boys needed a, a big brother. And since uh, at that point in time, uh, uh, there was no indication that there would uh, be no additional uh, members in our family, and it's a conscious decision we stayed with across the years, uh, physically. <laughs> we, we had the opportunity to welcome a big brother to the family, and he's right here on the front row, Jim McCullough. I celebrate our relationship. And then, as Pastor has mentioned, uh, Trevecca. Uh, Trevecca became uh, the location of a new and lasting brotherhood with uh, Rick Harvey. And uh, we had to learn how to speak Kentucky, um, how, to, how to deal with uh, a variety of things. and. Uh, but it's all worked out, and uh, we're, uh, we're so thankful, and truly, Rick Harvey is very much like a member of the family. And um, so we claim Rick as a member of the family. And we, we've often thought how good God was to Rick to give him a net. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> She, uh, she lights up his life. A lot has happened in my life in these 10 years. I never dreamed all that would occur. And so much of what has happened in my life has been centered around here. Not the least of which was uh, to come to Bethany Penile College uh, in 1954. And uh, ultimately, after standing in a long line and kind of like going to Baskin Robbins, I took a number, and uh, the second year I I got Janelle, <laughs> and uh, it it was uh, a long list, a uh, long line, but uh, uh, it it was worth it, and uh, I won't go down the the trail on that one because it uh, it could get complicated. But I've just been thinking about how that, uh, across these years, God enabled um, a young man who was literally uh, 
raised in Oklahoma. To be uh, privileged to emancipate a person as beautiful as Janelle from the Republic of Texas. <laughs> um, and to think now that for 57 years, every year when the Sooners play the Longhorns, I am a loyal Sooner fan. And um, it was interesting last night to, to see that there was very little scoring uh, that took place uh, with the Red Raiders. But uh, this year was fair and balanced. A year ago, she always has on her Longhorn shirt, and I have on my, my Sooner garb. A year ago, the Longhorns uh, surprised the Sooners. But this year, the Sooners came back. So I believe in fair and balanced, and I'm, uh, I'm excited. So many other things, I'll not, uh, I'll not go down that trail. We left here in 1975, and um, uh, God gave us great lives here in Oklahoma. And we, we cherish our relationship with Southern Nazarene University, and um, it, it made a difference in our lives. And we treasure that to this very day. And we honor President Lauren Gresham, uh, who has served so well, along with others in the past. I, uh, I, I just rejoice today that in the paths that God has led us in, he has uh, been so faithful in all of our days and in all of our ways so that we can share today. We moved to Mississippi. Some people thought that was a major mistake. Uh, thought, uh, how could you be going to some place like that? And, and uh, there were a lot of cultural things there. We're going to be talking this morning about sharing our faith. And this is not a part of the message, but um, there, there are wrong ways to go about sharing your faith. And, uh, and I know our focus has been in these weeks on worship and prayer and service and, and investing your resources. Uh, but uh, going to Mississippi, there were a lot of cultural changes. One of the first things that uh, I heard people say, come to see us. You hear? Uh, in those days, I could hear. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and yet they, they would just say, come see us, you hear, but they never, never be specific about it. But uh, one of the things I observed was the people there uh, did something to peanuts that uh, I just didn't think was appropriate. They would boil the peanuts and thought it was a delicacy. And I, I didn't argue with them about that. I just took one mushy bite and said, that's enough for me. Um, but we met, a, we, we met up with a guy down there by the name of Jerry Clower. Now, now, Jerry Clower is not one of the patron saints of all time, but uh, a tremendous comedian who said, I don't tell funny stories. He said, I just tell stories funny. And uh, he used to tell about the Ledbetters. Ledbetters, quite a family down there in South Mississippi. And um, there, was, uh, there was Marcel, there was Odell, there was Versi, and the list goes on and on. And a, and a new preacher came to town, and he was interested in reaching out to, to the families of the community. And he came up, uh, he came up to one of the Ledbetters, and uh, 
He said, I want to know, are you a Christian? Oh, no, I'm a, I'm a lead better. <laughs> uh, he said, what I want to know is, are you lost? What do you mean lost? I've been here all of my life. What I really want to know, sir, are you ready for the resurrection? And he said, well, what day is it going to be? He said, well, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. Well, don't tell my wife. She'll want to go both days. <laughs> uh, well, that's, uh, that's just an aside. Uh, how many things we learned and how many things we loved about Mississippi. But today, uh, following up to some extent, although I've not been here personally, to hear your awesome pastor preach, um, you, you've, been, you've been challenged, you've been led to share together in worship, in prayer, in service, and investing your resources. And, and today we want to we think about uh, perhaps the primary mission, and that is to share our faith. Uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who is thirsty come and drink of the water of life freely. It's interesting that in the last words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is telling his people, I want you to go and tell. He said it like this, I, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples and I want, you to, I want you to teach them everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. It's also interesting when you get to the back of the book, from which I have just quoted to you from Revelation 22:17, he is, he is telling us, he's telling all of his followers, not only as he said in the Great Commission, go and tell, but in that last portion of the book of God, he's telling us what to say when we go and tell. And it is simply that word, come. He's saying the spirit and the bride. It's an unmistakable partnership between the Holy Spirit and the bride. Who is the bride? We are the bride today. If we're blood washed, spirit filled, and I say thank God for the privilege of being a part of the bride of Christ. So we're in partnership today with God the Holy Spirit to reach a broken world who could someday sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. This word come has, has such powerful meaning and significance. Uh, uh, it, is, uh, it is the word uh, of compassionate invitation. As you hear Jesus say, let the little children come. Let the little children come unto me. It is the word of, of promise. It is the word of promise as he says, Come unto me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That is still true. 
What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's not only those things, but it is, it is the word of commission. You know that as Jesus was uh, moving among in his earliest days, he saw these fishermen, and he stopped and he said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. It's an awesome thing to be commissioned by Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And every one of us in this room today have been invited to participate in response to that great commission to be fishers of people. But it's also the word of promise and hope for all eternity. Hear Jesus, as he says, and it's recorded there in the Gospel of Matthew, how he says to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you by my Father who is in heaven before the creation of the world. In a broken world that is so full of despair, I thank God today that we have hope. A place is being prepared for us. How important it is that we celebrate that privilege and that promise. It is today, I think, uh, a word uh, that commands our attention. And it is the word, it is the word that Jesus is wanting us to use. It is the word also of celebration. Celebration of knowing Christ and then participating in calling other people to Christ. Uh, the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, I believe, gives us uh, such a, a powerful uh, picture of what uh, sharing our faith is all about. And many of you would know that in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, it gives us the account of Jesus and his disciples uh, going from Judea to Galilee, and they passed through Samaria. As, as they approach, uh, approach the village, uh, there, there is what is known as the well of Sychar. It is also known as Jacob's well. Jesus and his disciples moving along together, and Jesus stops at the well. And, uh, and his disciples go to buy food. While, while they go to buy food, Jesus uh, gives to us a tremendous pattern that includes three principles that I want you to kind of ask the Lord to help you to lock in your mind and heart today about sharing our faith. Three principles that will make a difference in sharing our faith. Relational. Say that word with me. Relational. Intentional. Say that word with me. Intentional. And the third is influential. Say that word with me influential. Uh, Jesus established a relationship in this experience. He, uh, he spoke to a Samaritan woman who was at the well, and he said to her, give me a drink. Please give me a drink. She was in a state of shock. Um, 
It was not customary, customary for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan. And, and, uh, and she said, uh, sir, you don't, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. Uh, you, you don't have anything to get water with. And, and you're asking me for a drink. You're a, you're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. Uh, Jesus continues in this, in this new establishing relationship. And he says, if you knew, if you only knew who was speaking to you, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you water of which you would never thirst again. What a beautiful word. She said, give me a drink. And uh, as, as she said that, about that time, the, the disciples come back. Shocked that he's been talking to a Samaritan woman. And uh, they don't know what's going on. And, and uh, has somebody given you something to eat, Master? No, I have meat to eat that you don't know anything about. Well, uh, it, was, it was interesting that Jesus was intentionally focused on the Samaritan woman's need. We need relationships, but we need to be intentional in focusing on the needs of people that we meet and greet on a daily basis. We never know. We never know about the person's need that we're talking to. I had a recollection in prayerfully preparing what I would try to say today, and my mind went back to my much-loved friend and neighbor, Paul McGrady. Now, Janelle, Michael, Jeffrey, and I had the privilege of being neighbors to Paul, Jean, Paul, and Miriam for 10 years. You talk about a wonderful relationship. Um, and. Um, as all of us were at that time, were smitten with grief over his sudden passing. Today, we, we mourn the passing of Gene McGrady, who has lived a very full life, made a difference in our family. Among other things, she was Jeffrey Johnson's fourth grade teacher. I salute the past. But I've never forgotten the impact of Paul McGrady. Paul McGrady was uh, one of the greatest um, soul winners I've ever met. He, he just could, he could connect with people. He was aptly described in Howard Culbertson's book, Mr. Evangelism. I, I remember Paul on more than one occasion saying uh, about a practice that he had. He said, in every place I have ministered, once a week, I would go to the highest point in my community. If I'm not mistaken, and I recall it, the highest point in this Oklahoma County is the location where Dr. Dudley and Joanne Powers and their family lived. And many of you may know exactly where that is. He said, I would go to the highest point in my community and for 15 minutes, I would turn in full circle, and I would pray this prayer. Oh, God, help me see these people as you see these 
people. In our world of brokenness and polarization, my prayer is that God will help me to see people as Jesus sees people. Uh, relationships are very important. And, uh, and they must be uh, opportunities for us to be sensitive to the needs. I'm also reaching back uh, a bit here this morning when I think about uh, those 10 years that we pastored over there at 16th and Council. And uh, it was about 1970. And we planned a, a great uh, outreach day. We went all out. In those days, we had, a, we had a youth music group. They were known as the Conquerors. When we went to Mexico and realized conquistadors were not necessarily a welcome term, uh, we, we, had to, we had to kind of modify that a little bit. But uh, it, it was composed of teens and college students and other young adults. So we planned big for that day. And we uh, kind of went all out. Uh, we went from door to door, distributing hundreds of invitations. Uh, come to Giant Visitor Day. And it, uh, it, was, it was a big day. I've never, I've never forgotten it. Uh, the day came. And with limited facilities, and I'm talking limited facilities, we had a very small sanctuary. We had Sunday school uh, annex that uh, kind of grew along with the church. And then we had a fellowship hall. Uh, there's some in this room that know about that fellowship hall. It was, uh, uh, it, it was a rehabbed but not totally redeemed chicken house. <laughs> and uh, it was called the Longhouse. On that day, with limited facilities, in every nook and cranny, we had 530 in attendance. It was a great day. Well, the boys were involved, Michael and Jeffrey. Jeffrey really got involved. He was only seven at the time in the second grade. He invited his pal Chip to come to Giant Visitor today, and he came. Jeffrey's always been pretty focused. He, he's, he's perhaps the, the best student in our family. Uh, I mean, he just, he just smart. He gets it from his mother, and uh, uh, he just really, uh, he's good. But he, but. When he focuses on something, he stays with it. And he stayed with the concept. Sometimes we have big, big events, and we spend a lot of money, and we spend a lot of time doing it, and then when the event's over, we forget all about it. Jeffrey didn't forget. And every, every Sunday morning, he would call Chip, Chip, I want you to come. And Jeffrey would stand down in that little foyer down there at the church, and I'd say, Jeffrey, time to get up to Sunday school. It's, it's ready to go. No, Daddy, I'm waiting on Chip. Chip had awakened his dad to get Phil, his dad, to bring him down to the church. And uh, that kept going. A year and a half passed. A year and a half passed. Chip was the only member of the family that had ever attended. But Jeffrey intentionally stayed on it. And I'll never forget a year and a half after that big giant visitor day, the whole family came. Phil, Pat, Felisa, Chip, and Robbie. It was Palm Sunday. 
It was one of those days when God's presence was so real. And, uh, and God was in that place. And I'll never forget at the invitation, first time the family had ever been there together, because somebody had intentionally shown a strong relationship and interest, even though he was a boy. He had demonstrated his interest in them. And I saw Phil the dad, Pat the mother, Felisa, Chip, and Robbie step out and give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Phil and Pat passed away. I don't know all the rest of the story, but I know this. In that moment in time, it made a difference in the lives of a family. Relationships, relationships, what we do with them, it's up to us. And I'm praying God to help us. You see, Jesus was intentionally, intentionally interested in the Samaritan woman. And, uh, and he said to her, uh, after she had said, give me to drink, he said, he said, go and tell your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And he said, well, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. And she was, she was mystified. And her response was, you, you must be the Messiah. You must be the Christ. And about that time, the disciples returned and, and uh, were amazed at what was going on. And, and, the, and, the, and the woman left her water jar, the scripture says, and went back to the village. Remember the word come. Remember the word influential. When she went back to her village, the first word that she said was, Come. Come and see a man who told me all I ever did. I think more than platitudes in this modern world, our people are hungry in our world to hear us say to them, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus cares about you. He, he, was, he was intentional. He was intentional. And, and she, uh, she responded uh, and went. And the scripture says that when she went back to her village, the whole, the whole village, one translation says, streamed out of the village to see Jesus. We, we, live in a, we live in a world of crisis to some extent. And sometimes we get all bogged down in, in the institution. But I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if we can come to terms with sharing our faith in the best way possible, that it is the strongest strategy for evangelism we could ever have. I'm praying God to make it so. Worship, prayer, service, resources all lead, all lead to sharing our faith. Well, our mission is clear. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who is thirsty come and drink of the water of life freely. We say the word in many ways. And sometimes our words are awkward and they are inept. Sometimes uh, our words are bold and effective. But the best way 
that we can say come is how we live our lives before others. Janelle and I uh, served uh, God in the church, uh, uh, living in Kansas City for a number of years, connected uh, with our headquarters there. We were what you would call uh, vitally involved in the life of Olathe College Church. Dr. J.K. Warwick was our pastor. One day, a lady called the church office. She didn't identify herself. She didn't say what her agenda was. She said, I want to talk to the pastor. There was resistance on the part of the office person, as you would suspect. Why? I, I must talk to the pastor. Finally, reluctantly, the office person connected her with the pastor. And she said, Pastor, I do not attend your church. I do not know much about your church. But I want to ask you, Pastor, what do you teach at your church? Janelle and I were with J.K. and Patty Warwick just a few days ago, and we reminisced about that, uh, that conversation he had with that lady. He said in all of his pastoral ministry, he never had a call like that one. And, uh, and he responded, uh, and she said, as she continued, I want to know what you teach. Because I work with two persons who attend your church, and I watch their lives, and that's the kind of person I want to be. What do you teach? The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. Our loving Heavenly Father, our hearts are full today of praise for your presence in this place. And right now, oh God, as we've been devoting ourselves over these weeks to, to practices, may on this day in a very new and special way, we say, oh God, oh God, help us to learn how to say, come to a needy, broken world. You know, I've listened this morning uh, to Dr. Johnson share his heart. And you know what I've heard? I've heard something very powerful. I've heard again that the culture of the New Testament is to live with your arms open. What, what, what if we just learned together to just kind of say to the world around us, you can come with me. Just come on. You can be a part of my life. Um, you can come to be where I am. Just, just living with our arms open. Just living with this culture of just invitation. Come on. You can come with me. You can come to my house. You can come for coffee. You can come for dessert. You can come to lunch. Let's just be together. And just, just, boy, 
when the good doctor talked about relationships and the value of those relationships, man, I've been confessional to you and I've said to you that Annette and I are trying to learn to live with our arms open better than we ever have. We don't think we're that good at it. We're wanting God to change us, to help us be better. But just to say, come. The Spirit, the bride say, come. The woman at the well said, come. (laughs) If you and I could learn to live, just saying, come on. You come with me. Well, God speaks. And maybe this morning God has spoken to you. And so I wanted us really bad this morning to just have a little time at the end of the service where we can pray together. And um, if the Lord has spoken to you this morning, and and you've been thinking about all these things God's been doing in your heart, but but Pastor Rick, I, I need to learn to live a little more with my arms open. You can come this morning and pray about that. It may be that, uh, that you have come this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus or you have sin in your life that needs to be forgiven but you're hearing Jesus say to you this morning why don't you come on with me I want you to come this morning and confess your sins and say Lord like Nicodemus I want to be born again I want you to change who I am It could be that you come this morning and your heart is heavy and you're carrying a pretty heavy load and you want to come and pray, maybe even as a family today, or tap someone on the shoulder to come with you. You can come. Or if you want to be prayed for for healing, there'll be pastors here who will anoint you. Just get their attention. There'll be one on this side of the altar and one over on this side, and they would pray for you. So why don't we stand together and let's sing. And so hear me well in these next few seconds here. This may be a time that God has set aside for you. And He knows your heart. And He wants to talk to you. And He knows you want to talk to Him. And so I invite you to take advantage of this this morning. And here's a really great word to say. Why don't you come? Let's sing together.
God, in this moment we have been able to come to you and you have been able to come to us. Now let us go in the power of your spirit that we might be salt and light, that we might be the hands and feet of Jesus to our world this week, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.